If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 12, and I'll be there in just a moment. The title of my message this morning is A Sin in the Past, A Sin in the Future, and Sin Today. (laughs) I want to preach on sin today, (laughs) but in a good way, in a great way, I think. And uh, I hope it makes sense to you. In the past couple of weeks, I've had some physical problems. I thought perhaps I might have committed the unpardonable sin, <laughs> and I was being judged for it. <laughs> and uh, it seems like once it starts going, it goes. <laughs> and uh, so it's been an interesting uh, time in our life, and we want to thank all of you, a number of you who prayed for us, and hope that we can get back stronger and stronger. Uh, watched it on live stream, by the way. Live stream was great, and it was a blessing. And uh, they have it down, and just the great uh, clarity of the of the live stream and everything. Uh, just uh, such a blessing. Uh, I, I was just talking down here earlier on. Uh, my granddaughter, uh, how many months pregnant is Megan? Four or five months, something like that. Yeah, and she sent us a, a picture that, you know, they do the, what do you call it? Ultrasound. Ultrasound in 3D. You can see its face, everything. It's unbelievable. And then these people are getting up there marching to kill that baby. That just rips your heart out, doesn't it? I just was thinking that. That has nothing to do with my message, but I thought I'd mention that. First of all, always remember, there's time past, <laughs> there's but now, ages to come, okay? And remember, time past was Genesis through Acts 8, probably, in that range, then the transition of Acts. The but now, Paul saved in Acts 9, the body of Christ begins, the transition, then he wrote Romans through Philemon. And then in the ages to come, it begins with Hebrews through Revelation, okay? And uh, I'll be discussing that just a little bit. First of all, I want to look at a sin in the past, the unpardonable sin. We've discussed that before, but it seems like it really bothers a lot of people. I've talked with several, and they've said to me, Pastor, I, I believe I've committed the unpardonable sin. And I'm always glad and grateful that I can say to them, no, you haven't. (laughs) Uh, You can't do that today. But uh, you have to have verses to show. So let's just get the story there. Matthew chapter 12, verse 22 and following. Then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him, insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of of the devils. But if I cast out devils, the Lord says, by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is coming to you. And by the way, if he's doing that, the kingdom of God had come the king was here, right? That would make them have to accept him as their Messiah. They did not want to do that, did they? Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, 
but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whoso speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him. Neither in this world, neither in the world to come. And so there we see he explains the unpardonable sin. We know that Christ forgave them for their sin. We know that because on the cross, he said, Father, what? Forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so he forgave them. So the question comes, when did the blasphemy, the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit happen? Well, it would be the fact that he had to come. And when did he come, by the way? Jesus ascended up and he sent the Holy Spirit down at Pentecost, didn't he? That was for the nation of Israel there. In Acts chapter 2, verse 14 and following, he says this, But Peter, standing up with eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judea, Jews, and all you that dwell at Jerusalem, Jews, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. And then he says in verse 16, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. The Spirit of God would be poured out, right? That was prophesied by Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, not the beginning of the body of Christ, the last days of Israel, saith God, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. There we see that the Spirit of God was poured out at Pentecost there. And then he worked. Notice Acts chapter 5 verse 30 says this, The God of our fathers raised up Jesus whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to who? Israel and forgiveness of sins. And then he says, and we are his witnesses of these things. And so is also who? The Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. So the Holy Spirit has been poured out in Acts chapter 2. He's working through the apostles and their preaching. Now get this, for a full year, the Spirit of God worked. He worked in the twelve. He worked in the remnant, the little flock of Israel, to give Israel a chance. They had failed previously. They crucified Christ. They had failed, but he's giving them a chance to believe that Jesus is the prophesied Christ, the Messiah, Son of God. At the end of that one year, Israel had one last opportunity. Acts chapter 6, verse 3. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the what? The Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Verse 5. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose who? Stephen. Why did they choose him? a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, okay? 
and Philip and so on. And then in verse 8, and Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people, the Spirit of God's working through him. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him, Stephen, and caught him and brought him to the council. He's arrested for preaching. Full of Spirit of God, preaching, doing wonders. They arrest him, actually. They take him before the council. Chapter 7, verse 2 says this here. And he said, Men, brethren, and fathers, hearken, the God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Sharon. Now, just stop there for a second. Now he gives through the entire chapter 7 Israel's history. And he shows how Israel mainly failed throughout their entire history. They rebelled, they disobeyed, they went into idolatry and immorality, sacrificing of their children, on and on. They missed the whole boat. And he gives that history of Israel. And so he gives this, but then Stephen, full of the Holy Ghost, he lowers the boom on him. He doesn't mess around with them anymore. And it begins in verse 51. He says this in verse 51. Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist who? The Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one, of whom you have been now the betrayers and murderers. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, convicted them, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. If you ever come up here with your choppers, I'm going to throw something at you. <laughs> They're chopping on him with their teeth. But he, being full of who? The Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. And they cried, the Jews cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran up on him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. See, he goes through their sin, then he levels them down, you stiff neck and so on, blown, 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 and they couldn't handle the truth. Like many people today have a hard time handling truth. You know, actually, that is a fulfillment of a story that Christ talked about of a man sending his son to the world, but they rejected that message. It fulfilled Luke chapter 19, verse 14. Luke 19, verse 14. But his citizens, the Jews, hated him, Christ, and sent a message after him saying, Stephen, by the way, 
we will not have this man to reign over us. And that's what they were saying when they stoned Stephen to death. They were saying to God, we're resisting this Holy Spirit that's working through Stephen. We're resisting that. We're saying no to that. We don't want Christ to reign over us. And as a result, they fulfilled what the Bible said. Israel's leaders, John the Baptist, the leaders beheaded him. And John the Baptist represented the Father. The leaders for Jesus Christ, they crucified him. He's the Son. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, they stoned him to death. He represented the Holy Spirit. Now, you get that? So here they are, the remnant, the 12, and especially Stephen now, full of the Holy Spirit there. The Father, the Son are not there in a sense because the Father's on the throne and the Son's on his right hand. Stephen saw that when the heavens opened when he was being stoned, right? So only the Holy Spirit. And it's through the testimony the Holy Spirit working through the Jewish people and finally here's Stephen and he is rejected and they blasphemed at that moment. You know, just like you, you go out and you share your faith with somebody and you are rejected. In actuality, you're not being rejected. Your message of Christ is being rejected. Even when uh, uh, Jesus said to Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul, he said to him, why persecutest thou me? Now, Saul was not persecuting Jesus personally, but he persecuted people who represented Jesus. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, he represented the Spirit of God and Israel's last opportunity. And so... Israel completely rejected the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Completely rejected the Godhead. At John the Baptist's beheading, they permitted it. At Jesus Christ's crucifixion, they demanded it. <laughs> and at the stoning of Stephen, they themselves committed it. Father, Son, Holy Spirit rejected. Now, don't miss this. They had attributed the Holy Spirit's work and his message through the twelve and Stephen as of the devil and not of God. Did you hear that? that you remember they said, Jesus, he does his miracles by Beelzebub, prince of the devil. Jesus said, that can be forgiven. And it was. But you can't do that to the Holy Spirit when he comes because that will be your final opportunity. Amen? And so they, I'll say that again, they attributed to the Holy Spirit that work was done by the devil working through them and not of God. Now, get this. It is a dispensational sin of Israel. That is impossible to commit today since today God is not dealing with Israel. 
today he's dealing with whosoever will. Neither Jew nor Gentile, it doesn't matter to him. Amen? So the unpardonable sin is a Jewish dispensational sin for time past. Now, sin in the future. There's another sin. Notice 1 John chapter 5, verse 16. If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them, that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. The second sin I want to talk about quickly is a sin in the future. It's the sin unto death. And this has bothered a lot of people. They say they believe that they've committed this. But 1 John, when was it written? You have time past, Matthew through Acts, but now, yeah, mid-Acts through Romans through Philemon, and then you have Hebrews through Revelation. When is 1 John? Ages to come. In the future. Amen? In the future. The Apostle John, by the way, he's the one who agreed that he would only go to the Jews. Now, if he only went to the Jews, who do you think he would write to? Only the Jews. Okay? So, in 1 John, there is a sin and a death. Okay? 1 John, he's referring to Jews. A Jewish person who will receive Antichrist as the Messiah, as the Christ, in the tribulation. Did you hear that? You know they sign a peace pact to begin the tribulation. And during that time, Antichrist's right-hand man, he calls fire down from heaven. People today go bonkers over stupid things they can't even see. But people say it. Can you imagine when they see fire come down from heaven? Uh, they're going to jump on that bandwagon. And most of the Israelis will believe and follow the Antichrist. Two-thirds of them will. The majority of them will. And they will follow him in faith, but also in order to be able to buy and sell. Now, here's, here's the crux of this one. So, they will receive the mark of the beast. And when they receive the mark of the beast, they're committing the sin unto death. The sin unto death. Revelation chapter 13, verse 13 says this here. And he doeth great wonders, Antichrist right-hand man, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Verse 16, 17. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich or poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. And that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Chapter 14, verse 9 says this. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his hand, forehead, 
or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. So, again, the unpardonable sin, the sin and the death, it's the passages that do not apply to believers today. Matter of fact, the sin and the death, the reason it don't apply to us is because we will already be in heaven. We will have already been raptured out before the tribulation begins. Does that make sense? Does that encourage you a little bit? Amen. So, neither sins. Now, I know we can die early. I understand that. We, you can take the Lord's Supper uh, disrespectfully, carnally, and at the end of that passage, he said, and some of them sleep because they took the Lord's Supper in a wrong way. Sleep means they died. Or you can die because of immorality. Paul says, I'm delivering the one who was committing immorality. I'm delivering him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the soul might be saved. So there are some times God said, that's enough. You're one of my children. I can't allow that to keep going on. And then also we know we live in an evil world system, don't we? If you look around the world, you look at America. My vacation spot is not Chicago. Or New York City. Or San Francisco. Amen. Everybody's going to Florida. I don't want to go there. It's overpopulated. <laughs> but it's amazing. You see the evil world and, you know, the Bible says neither give place to the devil. And so some people get caught up in that and they die. Or it could be because of sin we have health problems. And we can die. We understand that. But these two particular sins that I've just mentioned, the unpardonable sin of the past, the sin unto death in the future, both of those deal with in Israel's program. In time past, the unpardonable. In the ages to come, the sin unto death, taking the mark of the beast. Does that help anybody in any way? You can't commit them. Because you're, if you're a believer, in the but now. <laughs> Amen. That's today. The age of grace, you could say. The dispensation of grace. Now, the third thing, and I close, the sin today. What about sin today? Well, as a sinner, <laughs> there's none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death. You're dead physically, you're dead spiritually. You'll be dead physically, and one day you'll be eternally separated from God in a place called hell because of that sin. Romans chapter 1, verse 18 says this For the what? Wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold not the truth in who hold the truth in righteousness. Chapter two, verse five. But after thy hardness and impenitent or unrepentant heart, 
treasurous up builds up against thy against uh, I'm sorry unto thyself what wrath against the day of wrath a sinner is under the wrath of God you get that it states in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 5 for this ye know that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. A lost person is under the wrath of Almighty God. Colossians 3, 6, For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of of disobedience. That's a, that's a lost person, a sinner. Because of that sin, there are consequences. But thank God for the believer. We heard a little shout that says, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And we heard that message and believed in it. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, you know it well. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's called the gospel, the death, burial, resurrection, and it was for us. Romans 4.25 says this here, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again, for our justification. The next verse, chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified, how? By faith. We have what? Not wrath. We have, we can say amen to that last song that was being sung. We can say amen that he's been faithful. Amen. We're different. Ephesians 1, 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Because of grace and what he's accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection, and we believed in that, boy, we have peace. We have cleansing. We've been delivered. We've been rescued. We've been saved. Colossians 2.13, And you being dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him and hath forgiven you, how many of your sins? What do you mean all? Does that mean when I get saved from that point, what do I do after I get saved? What do I do if I sin after I'm saved? They're already forgiven. Past, present, future. And that's something. Yeah, that'd make a Baptist get a little Pentecostal if you were saved. Uh, amen. What a blessing. Ephesians 4.32, my life verse, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath past tense, it's a done deal, forgiven you. Amen? So, here I am. My faith is believing the facts with my mind. I read the word of God. I say, well, that's correct. But then I allow it to go to my heart. I said, not only is that truth, but that truth is for me in my heart. 
I know that my sin makes me unacceptable before God. I'm not right with God because of my sin. No no matter how much work I try to do, I cannot remove my sins myself. I can't work enough to get me to heaven. As a sinner, I'm just under and I await the full wrath of God. That's a sinner's plot. Plight, I guess you would say. But he's going to have a plot too, isn't he? (laughs) But when I believed what the Word of God said by faith, And what the Father says about His Son, that the Father loved me so much, He sent His Son to die on a cross for my sin. That made me unacceptable to God. And He took the punishment of my sin upon Himself. And He died. They buried Him. But three days later... He came forth the victor. And by what Jesus Christ has done and accomplished, that's enough. Nothing else is necessary for man to be saved except to believe that. If I will believe in the Gospels enough to save me, I can be saved right then. Amen? I'm so grateful for that. There's nothing that remains, nothing else necessary. Just believe. Let me ask you, when did you believe? And even when did you call up on God in faith? You know, I've I've been going back and forth on this thing, asking somebody to say a prayer, not say a prayer. People are against this, people are for this, or whatever. And I was reading Ephesians 4, 4, I think, and it talks about that one... Lord, one body, one faith, one body, something like that. And you are called in one hope of your calling. That's interesting to me now. Let's just bow our heads and our hearts right now. You right now, if you're here and you've never put your faith in Christ and this gospel you will experience the wrath of God. Some in this life, but eternity for sure. That's just a fact. But God says it doesn't have to be so. God says he loves you and he cares for you. That's why he sent his son. And you right there, you would, in your place right this moment, you would say, I need Christ. I believe in him. Just Right now, say this little prayer with me. And the prayer doesn't save you. But calling out in faith from your heart, that's what saves you. Just say prayer something like this in your heart right now. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I do believe that Christ is your son. I do believe he died for my sins, was buried, and rose again. I do believe he's enough to save me. 
this very moment, I tell you, God, I believe in the gospel. And with your heads bowed right now, this time you would say, Pastor Jim, I just want you to know, I don't come out and embarrass you, but just say, Pastor Jim, I just believed that Christ was enough for me. Just lift your hand up right now. It's a word of testimony. Somebody, just raise you. God bless you. Yes, God bless you. A couple others. God bless you. I saw three hands for sure. Father, I want to thank you that your word is true. If we believe that gospel, we're saved. Thank you for those who just lifted their hands. And I just pray also by way of live stream, there'll be people out there who just bowed their head, their heart, and believed in you. In Christ's name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. I'm not done yet. <laughs> I have about three minutes. Time passed. The unpardonable sin. Ages to come. The sin and the death. Both dispensational by Israel. But now, sinner, I'm under the wrath, but God gave me my escape, Jesus Christ. That's but now. And if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The way that it works, and I close with some of these verses, Acts 8, 1, and Saul, who became Paul, Saul was consenting unto Stephen's death, and at that time there was great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem, the Messianic church. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Paul was the leader of the pack. Paul was one who went after believing Jews. He hated what they were doing. He hated the name of Christ. Romans eleven thirteen says this, For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as the same guy. I am the apostle of the Gentiles. I magnify. Well, wait a minute. He's over here. He's persecuting believers. Now he's a leader among the body of Christ, the Gentile. Oh, how does that happen? Huh? First, amen. First Timothy 1, 12 and following says this, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer. Now just hold that for a second, fellas. Paul was with the nation of Israel. Paul was part of those who blasphemed God, blasphemed the Holy Spirit, when they stoned Stephen, you remember they laid the clothes down at his feet. How could he? I believe this with all my heart. When they stoned Stephen, God temporarily, judicially set Israel aside. And he reaches down and shows how far his grace can go. And he saved Saul of Tarsus, who became the great apostle Paul. Isn't that amazing? Now listen, Paul could not be saved 
in the time past dispensation. God created a new dispensation so Paul could be saved. Grace. Think that through. What a blessing. Then he says, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love. That's what changed him. Which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy that in me first, he's the first one in the body of Christ, Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Paul says, I'm the first in the dispensation of grace. I'm the pattern of grace. I'm the person who never, ever deserved to be saved. But because of Christ and the Father's love, he chose me first. And I'm the pattern for other people. If God could save somebody like me, he can save anybody. That's why we proclaim our message today. If you need to be saved, he'll save you. That's my message for today. Now let me say something to you. You who lifted your hands up or you believed in Christ, I have a booklet down here and uh, some booklets, Growing in God's Grace by jo John Fredrickson. We had him here at church. This is a great little book. It will help you in your new walk in Christ. You don't have to come up here and give me your history or whatever. Just say, hey, could I have a book? I'll give it to you and you can leave. It will be a blessing to you. Amen? And if you're here and you've been thinking about joining, you'd like to come be a part of our church, we believe we have a great church and great people. Uh, at the end of service, just come right up here. and We'll go into the room there and uh, we'll show you how to do that. Okay? We love you. God bless you. It's good seeing your ugly faces again. Amen. <laughs> Have a good day. We hope you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you visit with us in person. For more information, please visit our website at gpnd.net or contact us by phone at 317-535-3512. You can watch us live and view past services on our website, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Until next broadcast, may God richly bless you as our prayer.